The views and opinions expressed by guests on the TWBC podcast are solely those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views of nor constitute an endorsement by the host, TWBC, or the advertisers. National Championships, Confederation Championships, World Championships, major professional events. For over three decades, he has been there for many of the sport's greatest moments. And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Water Ski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Yes, greetings one and all, and this is the latest edition of the TWBC podcast. Uh, I am the aforementioned Tony Lightfoot, and uh, got a special guest here uh, joining us in this edition. Multiple-time national champion, multiple-time world record holder, uh, and uh, water ski hall of famer. His name is uh, Tricky Ricky McCormick. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing really good, Tony. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing very well, very well. And, I mean, I, re- I remember pictures from the bygone days of water skiing, you know, whether, whether you flipped through, like, Paul Seaton's Instructional Guide to Water Skiing or the, Guin- or, or the Guinness, uh, Guinness Guide to Water Skiing and seeing seeing remarkable pictures of you performing in, in there We're harkening back to like the 60s the 70s you know maybe maybe even a little bit earlier earlier on so kind of tell us a little about those days and how you would want to be remembered within the sport of water skiing in today's context oh how to be remembered i that's a tough one <laughs> the uh you know, the sport itself has evolved uh, a, a whole lot. And, you know, from myself to the Wayne Grimditches, the Mike Siderhouds, the LaPointes, Bob and Chris, uh, I mean, put their heart and soul trying to make the sport something that was like NBA or NFL to where people could associate a name with that sport and the talent that was there. Yeah, you mentioned that because, I mean, I remember back in the days, uh, well, I wasn't back in those days, mind you, but uh, but uh, but you you made appearances at Cypress Gardens. You were actually on the Ed Sullivan show when that when when that when that was around. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Right. I, I was telling the story the other day to a, to a young kid and, uh, you know, he said, what all did you get to do when you were skiing? And I said, well, some of the most fun things that I got to do, I said, I got to be on two of Johnny Carson's shows. Wow. And he says, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, then, I said, you already have a harder time. I said, I was on the Ed Sullivan show. He said, what show was that? And I said, they debuted uh, the, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Petula Clark. Uh, he goes, I don't know her name. <laughs> So I know, you know he knew, he knew you know, the, the specific people like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. And um, he understood that, you know, I, I said, I was only 15 years old when I was on the Ed Sullivan show. So, you know, I was a young kid. It was the very first year of the Super Bowl. So uh, that's a long time ago. I think that was 1966, wasn't it? Around about that Cor- time? Correct. You're exactly right. Yeah, and, and and Monday Night Football debuted like about four years later or something like that. Wasn't that the case? That's right. Yeah, so 
So, I mean, these were truly the halcyon days of water skiing, you know. I mean, you mentioned like the Wayne Grinditches of the world and Mike Siderhoud. And uh, you didn't mention Liz Allen, though, yet. But, um, but I mean, that's she was a remarkable. Side. Yeah, that's the female <laughs> side, obviously. But, I mean, they, they, were, they, were, they were looking for their, uh, their piece of the pie so far as exposure and fame was, was, was concerned as well, you know. That's so. right. Liz was a, an exceptionally good skier. Uh, she would uh, more than likely grand slam every tournament she went to. She was the best tricker, the best slammer, the best jumper. Uh, that's hard to come by. The, you know, I, I did it one time at a Nationals, and uh, it's just a feat because you're trying to beat specialists, people that they could trick, you know, they love the trick and maybe not slam or jump, and they didn't have the guts for the jumping. And uh, to beat somebody at their own game, that's, that's, that's a hard thing to do. Still the only person to have won the world overall championship plus slalom, plus tricks, and plus jump way, way back in 1969. Yeah. Uh, it couldn't get them all together, though. I never, uh, never uh, won an overall. It was close uh, in Bogota. Uh, I won the jumping there. Wayne Grimditch won the tricks. We both actually swapped sides, you know, and he was standing there looking at my jump medal, and I said, if you want my jump medal so bad, I said, I want that trick medal. <laughs> Now, another instance where that happened, uh, you get to you got to experience the rarefied era of being in the Olympic Games, and you skied as water skiing was a demonstration sport in 1972 in Kiel Harbor. Is that correct? That's correct. And uh, you know, when you say harbor, that's exactly what it was. I mean, there was a picture of one of the Australian Bruce uh, uh, Cockburn, Bruce Coburn, yeah, and uh, he was. Uh, there was a submarine going right down the side of the trick course as he was going down doing one of his runs. The jump we had to rebuild every day because the, the rollers were so big and uh, constant on it. It kept breaking all the plywood and the side curtains off the jump. Um, you know, the sun in the summertime in Europe comes up real early. You, as, a, mm-hmm. as a European, you understand that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, we were skiing at 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock in the morning to try to beat the boat traffic. Wow, that, that, that must have been an experience and a half. But to, but to kind of hold that gold medal, to, to kind of hold something that, that, that almost equates to being a, a full-on bona fide Olympian, that must have been something special, even, even taking the conditions and the surroundings into account. That's right. I, uh, I had a bad thing happen to me. I mean, it was a good thing, but it was a bad thing. Uh, we were at a Group 1 tournament. It was the weekend prior to when we were skiing in the Olympics. And I won tricks, slalom, and jumping in, in the groups. And when I won jump and tricks at the Olympics, I, I barely made it through the slalom course on my first pass. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was choking so bad just from that thought, you know, and it just shows that you've got a mental preparation for any sport is, is very, uh, very essential. You have to keep yourself calm get yourself into that routine and go out there and do it. But I fought every pass, every buoy as I went through that course. Robbie Zuki ended up winning the uh, the slalom. Oh, yes. I mean, I actually spoke to Thomas DeGasprey a little bit about that. You know, we, 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 we discussed a little bit about the impact that certain athletes had in their respective decades. I mean, even today, I mean, like Thomas de, de, was describing Robbie Zuki and the likes of Bubu Alessi in the 80s and the 90s, that kind of stuff. But, but, what, but who influenced you coming into your era, like in the 1960s and 1970s? Who did you look up to at that point to inspire you along when you were competing at the, at the height of your power? 
Well, there was uh, Mike Siderhout. He was, you know, he's quite a bit older than, than I am. Uh-huh. Uh, Alan Kempton, uh, Al Till, all those people. Was well, so Al Kempton the one who invented the arm sling, or was it his brother, Robbie Kempton? Yeah, it was Alan that did the arm sling. Robert actually invented the half wrap position where you actually turn backwards with the lower part of your body. Uh-huh. And he showed me that one day, and I said, hmm, I got some places I could use that, you know, and back to front 540s came right after that. Yes, I mean, that standard sequence that for a lot of uh, high echelon competitors, 310 points, 310 points, 310 points, you right. know, five front, five back, five front, you know, I mean, that's the hallmark in most people's runs now. It's kind of like uh, like it is now, you know, uh, when Corey was skiing, you know, toes was the big uh, the big thing, and then until the flips came along, and that moved it back to hands again. But hands used to be where you could win the trick event. Flips, huh. You mentioned something there, and that reminds me of a big old photo of you at the very back of Joel McClintock's book, the uh, the Essential Guide to Water Skiing, where it where it shows you doing a backflip on a, on a Cypress Garden Tech One. How 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 difficult was it to pull off something like that on a ski that's like that was like really really cumbersome to uh, to work with? Well, as they told you know uh, Jarrett and Mike Ferraro, I don't know if you know those names. Oh or yeah, not, I know that they. Uh, you know, I said, uh, they said, how did I learn them? And I said, well, I learned them on two skis. I learned to flip on two skis first. And they said, wow, wow could you do that? You know, that's all that lumber that you were dragging around through the air. I said, but the lift you get off the wake on two skis is much greater than what you can get off on one ski. I think and, I think too many skiers in these days would value their ankles way way too much to try that these days. <laughs> I still have the big dents in my shins from beating on them with the sides of the skis, but uh, you know I had people that helped influence me. Uh, you know I had Dick Pope Senior who you know he ran he he started Cypress Gardens, and uh, an older person like that he would look at me and he could see that I was just full of and vinegar, you know, <laughs> okay. uh, and, uh, you know, we were flying paper airplanes as we were going to the Ed Sullivan show. We we're flying paper airplanes out over Central Park out of the hotel. And, you know, he just he knew I was a kid at heart. And I think uh, they seal the windows now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of people, um, including my brother, Jim, uh, who uh, helped me get over a lot of barriers, uh, mainly from age to ski equipment making the skis fit the size of my body because skis were made for people that were usually about six foot tall uh-huh and with me being eight ten twelve years old there was no such thing so trick skis were 55 60 inches long and i couldn't turn them and they're nowhere near as wide as they are today that's right seven and a half was about as wide they go at the trick skis <laughs> wow so kind of give us a little, little bit uh, what was your typical run? I mean, right up right up until the time that you that you stopped competing, uh, what were, what was your typical run? Say in about the mid seventies. Well, uh, in the mid seventies, I was still on two skis, so I do uh-huh. uh, two ski wake fives, wake back to backs, step front to fronts, uh, uh, on two skis, and then drop a ski and then go to one ski, and the last trick in that run, you know, I do some uh, line tricks, step front to fronts, wrapping into the rope. Mm-hmm. Uh, regular step over, step back to back, land with my hand between my legs and cut right out and do the line wake front that I was missing. Wow. And then do a step by step coming back in. 
Yeah, that's that 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 sound. That sounds a lot of tricks uh, for uh, for a run that was uh, a compound run. There would there would I, I guess they would call it. I guess between certain. It takes me longer to t- tell you the run <laughs> than what I could do it in almost. <laughs> Now, now in about the mid seventies, we we saw. I mean, a lot of us. Well, probably not me essentially, because I mean, I would only have been five years old around about that time. But I mean, a guy from Venezuela called Carlos Suarez comes into play. Nineteen seventy-five revolutionized tricks in 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 coming up with a full twenty-second pass of toe tricks. I mean, what was what was the reaction back in those days? When it, whenever whenever you watch someone someone like that at Thorpe, well, he would you know, something like that. When I lo- watched him ski, I could see myself in him. He, he knew that stance was the the key to trick skiing, being able to stay in one position, rotate your body in and out from the handle, passing it, doing the same thing when you put your foot in the rope. And he was uh, he was not only a, a great trick skier; he was a really good at karate. Uh, I didn't know and that. And that's where he got his stance and ability from. And a lot of my, I contribute a lot of my stance and, and all that to uh, wrestling when I was in high school. Uh, it gives you the ground effect of being stable, not getting knocked off your feet, no matter what's aimed at you, whether the guy's 10 pounds heavier than you, you know how to handle it and put it in another motion and use it to your advantage. I'm assuming this is Greco-Roman wrestling rather than correct <laughs> than, than, than the wrestling that a lot of a lot of people associate today. You know? That's correct. It was high school wrestling, but there you go. So, okay, let's get let's get to the present a little bit more. Uh, you've got a son, Cole McCormick, who who is like taking the world world by storm with his slalom abilities out there. I mean, how much influence do you, uh, how much influence and input do you have upon what he does out there on the water these days? Um, not a whole lot. I mean, I I do. I mean, I talk to him more about pull and and uh, reaching at the right time when he's given into the boat. You know, because I'm the one's usually driving at this point. Uh, Susie, who's uh, a notable, yeah. you know, woman's uh, woman slalom skier, uh, she does the instructions as far as you know where his hands are, what level they're at, whether he's you know he's getting in a hurry. Uh, so he's got it. He's got it good from both sides. Uh, you know, pulls or you know, and you see it with the uh, pounding chart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the keep that pull constant from buoy to buoy, whether. Uh, you make it's even on your good side turn that the the pull is as hard as what it is on your good side. You don't want to ski unbalanced. You don't want to be hooking a turn real hard like how Mike Shanelander used to ski. Oh yeah, for instance, it was very one-sided. Very one-sided. Uh, that's a very difficult style to maintain like he did and keep it constant. He couldn't even maintain it. I mean, like a few years ago when I last saw him ski in in Skarnes in Norway, there was a there was a noticeable lack in in slam dunk style as he ran back to back 35s but uh, he still looked good to, even to this day yeah yeah so uh, that's my contribution to what he's doing um besides all the hours you know there's a whole lot of hours that was behind all that skiing uh i tried to get him to do trick slum and jumping because i think that's cross training it teaches you balance uh uh, teach you rope handling where the handle should be to make you be able to turn one direction because you're making a lot of turns in a slalom course. So by knowing where to, to actually put that handle at the right time, it can be to your benefit. All right, then. You mentioned Susie, uh, formerly Susie Graham, Susie McCormick. And describe, 
Describe that. Re- describe that relationship. You know, I mean, you're from the United States. She's from Canada. You're primarily a tricker. She's a slam skier. How, how, how? I mean, give us a, give us an idea of how you first met and 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 how that developed relationship wise. I mean, well, my brother, it, you know, run the water ski school, McCormick Ski School in Sefner, and uh-huh. uh, I met uh, their family there, and they have a few kids, and there's six kids in the family, so I got to meet all of them. I, uh, Later on in life, when I saw her again, I saw her skiing, and I said, man, I said, if somebody would work with her, she would be a good skier. So I called her dad, talked to her dad, and said, I would like to put her in a position on a payroll and, you know, supply skis to her to compete. And he agreed with that, and it was just, I mean, uh, I li- it lit the fire. The, the skis that she was running on at the time were was, EP skis. Yeah. Were Cypress Gardens. Well, with Cypress Gardens, and then she transitioned onto EP, That's right? That's correct. That's correct. And right up all the way up to the very a very last competitive set, she 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 was basically on one slalom ski for for about the best part of a decade, right? Right. Uh, I you know working you know my role as a skier went to the side, and I was more in R and D. I started learning how to make the skis, make them bright for each each of the skiers. And uh, then try to maintain them because sometimes I couldn't build that, that particular ski or couldn't get the materials to build it. So I would have to doctor that ski and try to make it make it stay in stay in shape and hold up at least another season. All right then. So uh, we'll wrap things up around about here. I mean, we've gone through this. We've gone through the, from items such as the Ed Sullivan Show all the way through to. Tricking technique. I do Lord have one other son now. You have one. Uh, please tell me. Noah McCormick. Noah McCormick. He's yep. even younger, right? He's even younger, and he's going to uh, Polytech, which is in Lakeland. It's a computer school. Okay. Uh, uh, a great skier. I mean, in one year, he learned six flips. I mean. Oh wow. Uh, he was on the road to doing real well, but you know he knows school is very important, and he wanted to concentrate and get it back into the school system. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's doing right now, and he said he's going to come back. Oh, excellent. And we certainly look forward to that. And uh, we, uh, well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put a wrap on this one because, I mean, we covered a lot of ground. Is there anything you'd like to say to your fans, a young and old, uh, you know, by way, of, by way of a shout-out? Well, everybody, you know, uh, you should never feel like you're uh, remedial to a Cole McCormick or, you know, anybody. You know, uh, you should always know that they're all, they're learning as well, and uh, they have points that they have to work on. Whether they're running 39 off or 41 off, they make mistakes. So take criticism from your coaches and uh, be great skiers. All right, that was uh, the legendary Hall of Famer uh, Ricky McCormick. My name is Tony Lightfoot. This has been the latest edition of the TWBC podcast, and until next time, it is ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the TWBC podcast. Thank Be you, sure Ricky. To check out that our was fantastic. At waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC podcast.